Well, this morning we are uh, continuing our Lenten series. Uh, and if Lent is not something familiar to you or if it's not part of your uh, tradition growing up, uh, Lent is basically the 40 days leading up to Easter uh, that we spend in preparation. We think of our need for Jesus, we need for our need for mercy, and we spend these weeks as we lead up to Easter uh, concentrating our thought and our mind on the work of Christ on the cross for us. And as we do that, we uh, kind of align ourselves with, with, with what it would might look like to follow him more fully. It's a season of preparation as we see all the way in Scripture. There's various times in the Scriptures where people have seasons of preparation, oftentimes marked by a 40 days of some kind of prayer or fasting or something. Uh, and so that's what the season of Lent is. And so that's what we are going into. As we have been over the last couple of years, we've been using a book to kind of form us as our minds and as we go. And so we're using Jill Dufield's uh, devotional book. If you have a copy of this, wonderful. If you don't have a copy of it, there's still time. You can Amazon it and you can get it here pretty quickly and you can keep on going. It's just a daily devotional that will give shape to how we talk and what we talk about on these Sunday mornings. So I highly recommend it. It's really good, beneficial for us as we follow the ways of Jesus. If you were uh, here last week, we talked about this aspect of bread, that bread is this uh, everyday kind of thing, sustenance, and we looked at how the scriptures talk about bread, about G God being our provider, or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And so we talked about how God has br brought provisions to us, sometimes in a surprising way, and this again, part of the reason why we're asking you to think about ways in which God provides and has provi provided for you, and to write down those stories. So again, just another plug for you to do that sometime during this series today or even as we go on from here. But today, we're going to move uh, gears a little bit, change a little bit. We're not talking about bread today. Today, we're going to talk about the cross. Talking about the cross of Jesus and how that object or the picture of the cross can lead us to a deeper faith, a deeper confidence in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Now we're going to dive into one, one passage this morning. We're going to dive into the passage of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to zero in on that for a little bit. Uh, so if you have an app or something you want to follow along, you could do that. But generally speaking, people make two mistakes when they think about Jesus. Uh, and there are others, I'm sure, but there are kind of generally two mistakes that people often will make when it comes to understanding who Jesus is. The first one is that they doubt his supremacy. They doubt that he is the highest authority of something. They look to somebody else or they look to themselves or something else as being their highest supreme authority. So they doubt his supremacy. They don't really think that he's supreme. Or they doubt his sufficiency. That he's really enough. Let me explain a little bit. If you doubt Jesus' supremacy, then you see him maybe as a nice moral teacher. You see him as a good person who's done some nice things, did some nice things, but unfortunately died too early, and that's about all there was about him. That's about it. He's just one of many good teachers, one of many good people that have done some nice things in the world and died at a young age, and that was just a sad thing. Paul, in our passage in Colossians, he'll have some words to say about that. 
Otherwise, we might doubt his sufficiency, that, that what he has done is sufficient to meet all of our needs. And if you doubt his sufficiency, then you might think that there's other things that are needed in order to make you right or approvable or loved by God. And while Jesus is nice, there's things you've got to prove your worth or that you've got to do in order for God to love or to accept you. Well, in our passage in Colossians, Paul will have some things to say about that as well. Paul's going to address these two mistakes that are often made about Jesus. Either he's not supreme or he's not sufficient. People doubt one or both of those as they go on with their life. And Paul, in this one beautiful passage, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, will address both of these issues. So I'm going to read it uh, for us, and we'll kind of dive into what God may teach us. So again, if you have a Bible with you, you want to probably want to keep this open, Colossians chapter 1, or if you have an app on your phone or something you want to kind of hold it, or you can follow along on the screens that will be there as well. So uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive into this passage to see what God may teach us. God, we are grateful for your mercy and grace in our life. And now we come to your scripture, to this passage. Help us to understand it, to know it. As we talk about it, may it settle into our own hearts. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now we simply, certainly do not have enough time to unpack everything that is in this small passage. It is beautifully written, deeply theological, philosophical, jam-packed with a whole bunch of things. Simply don't have enough time to go into it. I would love to be fantastic, but it would probably take us a semester or two or a year to really get through all this stuff. We don't have that much time. So let me kind of just zero in on a couple things. What I do want us to zero in on is really this connection that the Apostle Paul makes between the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus. And this is what I want us to see, that the supremacy of Jesus leads to his sufficiency. The supremacy of Jesus leads to his sufficiency. What we see in the passage and what Paul makes very, very clear is that Christ is supreme. He is higher than all others. There's no one else that can compare. And because of his supremacy, because he holds the highest authority, because of that, he is uniquely qualified to be sufficient for all our needs. He is uniquely qualified to be sufficient to care for all of our needs and to wash us anew and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
See, if he were just another martyr, if he, were just another, if he wasn't su- supreme, he was just another moral teacher that died at a young age, and then he wouldn't be sufficient to reconcile all things. He wouldn't be sufficient for our sin. He wouldn't be sufficient to care for all of our needs. If he was just another person who taught and a martyr who died for his beliefs, then he just would be another one. But he wouldn't be sufficient. And we are still dead and stuck in our unrighteousness and in our sin and in our trespasses. And yet Christ's work on the cross is sufficient for all that we need. You don't need to look anywhere else for all of our needs to take care of our sin and our unrighteousness. You don't need to look to anywhere else. In fact, you cannot look anywhere else because Christ is the one supreme. He is the one with the highest authority. And so as we go through this passage, as we work our way through it, we'll see this connection, the connection between his supremacy, his highest authority, which leads to his sufficiency. If he is to be sufficient, he has to be supreme. And because he is supreme, indeed he is sufficient. There's a connection here that Paul beautifully connects through this passage. My prayer as we walk through Colossians this morning is that your eyes and your hearts would be simply enthralled with the glory of God through Jesus. That you would just be amazed at his supremacy, which leads to his sufficiency. And it would deepen your confidence that while you may go through times in your life where things are cloudy and uncertain, there's one that you can count on. When you may be holding a burden or an issue that you don't know what to do with, there's one who knows what to do with that. And that would deepen your confidence to walk boldly with the one who loves you, the one who is supreme. And when we can accept his supremacy and his sufficiency to bring hope and healing and restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness like no one else can, because he indeed is Christ. The Supreme One. Now, there are a number of connections that Paul makes that are related to this, that kind of have their genesis from this little phrase here that Jesus' supremacy leads to a sufficiency. I'm just going to highlight a couple of them for you, right? But before we highlight too many of them, I want, to, I want us to hold that tension and to ask ourselves is there a way in which we have maybe doubted Jesus' supremacy? Maybe in some area of my life, I'm not sure if his wisdom is supreme wisdom. And so I'm looking for other experts to know. I'm looking for other people to tell me what to do. Or maybe I'm struggling with doubt that he's sufficient. Maybe I've been in church my whole life and I've heard about the cross of Jesus, but I'm just not sure if it's really enough. And so I want to add to it something else. So we often struggle and wrestle with one of those two areas. So as we look at what the Apostle Paul will teach us in Colossians 1, as we lead through the passage, just hold those things before. Am I struggling to see Jesus as supreme? Or am I struggling to see him as sufficient? And let's allow the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to be our teacher and to be our guide and deepen our confidence in the one who loves us. Right, so the first one I want us to draw our attention to, kind of phrase here that the Apostle Paul leads us to, we see the supremacy of Jesus in his being the Lord of creation. 
Lord of creation. Listen again. Verse 16. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is not just the highest of all creation, created things. He's not just gotten the highest promotion, kind of working his way up the chain of command until finally he can have things. He indeed is the creator of all things, seen and unseen, visible, invisible, thrones, authorities, everything has been created by Jesus. So he is the supreme one. Why? Because he's created all things. His knowledge of things is perfect. Why? Because he made it exactly the way it is. His understanding is limitless. Why? Because he's the supreme knowledge because he created. His knowledge is limitless. Ours is limited. His understanding is infinite. Ours is finite. He has made it all. It's not that he raised up one, one rung after another after another, but he has created all things, which means he is supreme in creation. Paul would go on to say, he says, not only did he create all things, but everything has been created by him and for him, which means everything in the created world finds its purpose and meaning in Jesus. Finds its purpose and meaning when it is aligned with or in walking in tune with its creator. When we live outside of in tune, being in tune with our creator, we don't find meaning and purpose. The only place to find meaning and purpose is when, is when we are walking in tune, in step with our creator. He is the supreme one. St. Augustine said it really well when he said that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. When they find their meaning and their purpose, not in what we do or what others say about us or what our reputation is or what we can accomplish or amass on our own, but we find our meaning and our purpose in him because he is supreme in creation. Which leads me to the second phrase that Paul uses to describe the supremacy of Christ. He is the supreme one in the church, in the body. That he is the supreme, he is the highest authority in the church. When we talk at Crossroads as our mission statement is to invite people to apprenticeship to Jesus, our hope is to point people to the supremacy of Christ in all things. That if you learn to follow his ways and his teaching and his understanding in this world, then it will lead you to an abundant, eternal, joyous, peace-filled life right now with the hope of eternity. That when we invite people to apprenticeship to Jesus, we're not inviting them to a social club. We're inviting them to see Jesus as the leader, the supreme one, the, the almighty one that we fall in line with. Because he indeed is the Lord, the leader, the head of the body. And we do this in fellowship. We do all of this not because we want a band to sing or because we want to teach or because we want a big crowd of people. We do all of this for God's glory. We do all of this and when this all finds its meaning and its purpose in Jesus. All of this, all the singing and the teaching and the music and the scripture reading, all of this without Jesus doesn't have meaning or purpose. All of what we do finds its full meaning and purpose when we do it in tune with Jesus. So Jesus is the head of the church. 
which means when we gather, it's for His name and for His glory alone. It's not for yours, not for mine, not for Pastor Jason or Jake or anybody that volunteers. All of this is for Jesus, for He is the head of the body, the church. And all of this finds its ultimate meaning and purpose in Jesus. And Paul would go on to say, not only is he the head of the church, but he is the firstborn of the dead. He, that points to his resurrection, which means not only does your life in this world find meaning and purpose, but because of the resurrection of Jesus, the first one, we follow in his steps, which means we will be resurrected into his life, and there's hope for eternity because of him. Because of him. It's not just this life getting full meaning and purpose, but our eternal life has meaning and purpose. Why? Because Jesus is the supreme one, the firstborn from among the dead. Paul would say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, if it is only for this life that we have hope in Christ, then we of all people are most to be pitied. In other words, if it's only for this, if our gathering and our worship and our singing and our teaching and all the stuff that we do, if it's only for this, that we have hope, then we are of most people to be pitied. But it's not for Christ has been raised and for he is the firstborn of all creation. He's the first one in the resurrection which gives us grounds for the hope for our resurrection. And meaning and purpose for our eternal life is found in none other than Jesus because he is the supreme one. And he has gone before us and he leads the way. He's the only one that can lead us to unrighteous. He's the only one who's conquered death. He's the only one who's conquered sin. He's the only one who's conquered the grave. And it's because of him that we find it. We don't find that meaning and purpose in anyone else. For he is the supreme. Not only in creation, but he's the supreme in the church. And he's our supreme leader. Which leads me to the third phrase that the Apostle Paul says. That Christ is the fullness of God. He is the exact representation, manifestation of God. Listen again in verse 19. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. Christ is the unique Son of God, eternally existing as God. He is divine. He didn't come up to become divine. He is divine. And if you want to know the heart and the character of God, then you look at Jesus. Why? Because he's the supreme and the fullness of God in the flesh, dwelling in Jesus. So what does Paul teach us? He teaches us that the supremacy of Christ in all things, that his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His, his understanding is above our understanding. So if we we're going to live our life and find meaning and purpose both now and into eternity, we look to the Supreme One who has the highest authority, the best knowledge, the best understanding, the best wisdom, who holds it all together, who created it, who understands it, who sustains it, and we can look at all of that and find it in Christ. For He is supreme in all things. Our responsibility then is not to try and muster it up, not to try and gain our own wisdom or our strength. Our responsibility is to learn to trust that he really is supreme, that he really is full of wisdom and knowledge and truth. Our responsibility is to submit ourselves to him. When you want to know what is the right thing to do, we look to Jesus. 
when we want to know what's the right way to live our life and how to fill our life with goodness and peace and joy and eternal gladness, we look to Jesus. He is our highest authority. He's the purpose. He's the meaning. He's the one that we find grace. Again, his understanding is infinite and ours is finite. He is the supreme over all things. And at this connection, if he is supreme in all things, then he is sufficient. His supremacy leads to his sufficiency, which leads me to the fourth phrase from a Colossians passage. Christ is the reconciler. He reconciles all things. He restores all things. His forgiveness is enough because Christ, the supreme one, is sufficient. Listen again in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The cross reminds us that there is a break in creation. That this world is not in the order that it was made to be. It is not operating the way God intended it to operate. And the cross reminds us that this break in the world, both relationally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, this break that's in the world, the cross reminds us that it cannot be repaired by us. It cannot be repaired by us. Our knowledge, our wisdom, our understanding is too limited. We don't have the capability but Christ does. Why? Because he's supreme. He's the highest authority. He created it all. He has the wisdom. And through his perfect sacrifice, reconciles all things through his blood shed on the cross. He alone is qualified to restore and reconcile and bring things to new, to make beauty out of ashes. He alone is able and qualified. Why? Well, because he's the Lord of creation, the head of the church. He's the leader, the firstborn in the resurrection. He is supreme. And his sacrifice is sufficient once and for all. We don't have to continue to bring sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Why? Because the supreme one has made the ultimate sacrifice and it is sufficient for all that we need. All that we need. All the brokenness, whether thrones or authorities, seen and unseen, all that which is broken is made new in Christ through his shed blood on the cross. It is sufficient for us all. Romans gives us hope in this because Paul writes it this way in Romans chapter 7. He says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. The cross guarantees that evil and sin will not succeed in this world. For Christ has overcome. He has conquered while we have gone our own way and we have turned our backs on God, God in his rich mercy and love laid on Christ the iniquity of us all, the brokenness, the unrighteousness of us all. And as Isaiah 53 says, by his wounds, we are healed. 
by the wounds of the Supreme One who takes it all on Himself to be a sufficient sacrifice for us. For His perfect blood shed on the cross is sufficient for us. Why? New life is possible. Why? Understanding is possible. Why? Healing is possible. Why? Reconciliation is possible. Why? Because of the cross and because Jesus is supreme and it is sufficient because of His shed blood. No one else is qualified. No one else is supreme. No one else can do it. Let that truth settle into you for just a moment. That the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon the supreme one. Took it upon himself to be sufficient. The cross of Christ is sufficient because of the supremacy of Christ. It's like the old hymn declares. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All others are sinking sand. Through His work, And through his shed blood on the cross, the supreme one, Christ, is able to make all things new, to restore hope in every situation, to bring joy in every heart, to bring peace in every circumstance, to bring physical, emotional, relational, spiritual healing, to bring beauty out of ashes. Why? Because he is supreme. And he is supreme over all things, even when we don't see it, even when we can't understand it. He is supreme, and his supremacy leads to his sufficiency. Which means, if there's something in your life that is broken, he has the wisdom that you need. If there's a place in your life that is causing fear, he has the need, he has the resources you need to bring peace. If there's a relationship that is torn, In your life, He is the one that can reconcile it. If there's some unrepentant sin in your life, He is the one who can forgive it. Because He is the only one qualified to take upon Himself the iniquities of this world and our sin and to make us new. Because He is the only one who's supreme. Now, all of us come to this time with a myriad of things in our mind, things that occupy our space. Some of us need some kind of physical healing, emotional strength because of a loss that we're experiencing or that we have experienced, peace in spite of anxious events that are surrounding us all over. We all come, every Sunday, we come with various needs and various issues that are surrounding us around, but the cross... Well, the cross reminds us that in Christ, we have all that we need. We have all that we need to bring peace and and joy back into our life and forgiveness to set us free from the entanglement of sin. We have all that we need in the cross. You don't have to muscle through. You don't have to put your Sunday game face on as if you... You know, nothing's going wrong in your life. You can bring it all to the cross because the cross is sufficient because Jesus is supreme over all things. 
So we can come and we can lay everything out. And we can bring our worries and our fears and our anxieties and all that. And we come to the one who is supreme. And because of his supremacy, he is sufficient. So we're going to do that this morning. Because I don't know what you're bringing with you this morning. I don't know what anxiety or fear or relational tension or physical need or financial need or whatever it is that's being a burden to you this morning. I don't know what it is. But I do know the one who's sufficient for it. I do know the one who's supreme over all things, whose wisdom is infinite. I do know that one. And while I don't know what, how it's going to work out for you, I know the one who, will, who does. And all I'm going to do is invite you to him. Invite you to bring whatever you have to him and meet him at the communion table and to see his perfect blood shed on the cross to be sufficient for whatever you need. Whatever you need. So we're going to come to communion this morning. And I'm going to invite you, if you have a need or anything else, that you bring it. And you bring it to the one who's sufficient. You experience his grace. In a moment, the ushers are going to dismiss you from the backs of your sections. If you're online, I hope that you have a, a bread, juice, or something that you can take with us. But here's what's going to happen here in person. In a moment, the ushers are going to dismiss you. They're going to dismiss you from the backs of your section. You'll kind of come up on the right-hand side of your section. Come forward. There's four stations up here. Come forward. You can take the little wafer, take the little cup of juice, bring it back to your, to your chair. You kind of make a circle around your section, kind of come on the right-hand side, come forward, and go back on the other side. You kind of go that way. And at any moment this morning, at any moment, you can take the wafer. You can eat the little wafer, drink the little juice at any moment. We're not going to do it together. This is a time for you to bring your issue, your need, your anxiety, whatever it is before the Lord to see him be sufficient for you. Take the wafer, eat the wafer, have the juice. At any point, the worship team will be singing. You can stand if you'd so desire and engage in that time during that. Or if you want prayer to come to be open up to these kneeling rails and pray back here. Or if you want someone specifically to pray with you and for you, go to the kneeling rail in the back. And there'll be people back there and they would love to pray with you. And to see the supremeness, the supremacy of Christ be sufficient for all that you need. The cross reminds us to bring everything that you have because he's sufficient and he will heal and his mercies will be new and his goodness and his peace and his joy and his life will begin to flow in you. In a moment, I'm gonna, we'll have a moment of quiet, just reflection. The Apostle Paul says to examine ourselves as we come to the table. And, and believe me, this is not an examination to see if you're worthy of coming to the table. For this is a meal for sinners who need a Savior. Not because you've proven yourself worthy. But this is an examination to see, to recognize the sacredness and the purity of Christ who has shed his blood on the cross for you. And then after a moment of just silent reflection, we'll lead you through the liturgy that will be on the screens. We'll say the white print. You can respond in the yellow print. And we can do this together. If you're serving communion, you can come and get ready and get ready for that. But other, for the rest of us, let's quiet our hearts, bow our heads. Just take, just take a moment of silent reflection before we lead you through the liturgy.